What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 164 of Land Parties from the Las Vegas Review Journal and Blue Wire. I am your host, Lucas Egan, and joining me, as always, is my wonderful and awesome co-host, Ryan Smith. Ryan, how are you doing? How was Destiny? Yeah, yo, I, so I finally got past this... Uh, um part that I was stuck at basically um, so I believe I am on the last mission for Lightfall so I'm gonna try to I've done the whole thing solo on Legendary so this is the last one I want to be able to do this accomplishment and and finish it out so we'll see how it goes but overall it was good I was actually this is actually a really productive weekend I I've been meaning to and meaning to work on the garage Finally got out there. Like, it's like a whole different space. I got a workbench for Christmas or a workout bench for Christmas. So I'm going to be setting that up. Yo, Habad Ryan is is going to be in the works real soon. I, I am excited for that. And I got to play some Call of Duty with my cousin and my dad last night, too. So nice. overall, it was a solid weekend. Helped the buddy move uh, on, on Saturday. Him and his wife just moved to a new place. So we went and, and helped them out uh, moving some of their bigger stuff and whatnot. So it was a good weekend, man. How about yourself? How was your weekend, brother? My weekend was good. Uh, I got to see a couple of friends that I hadn't seen in a while, so that was nice. Uh, nice. Relaxed and uh, kind of rested up. And uh, I'll, I guess I'll have more thoughts on this next week once I spend some more time with it. But uh, I won a Razor Edge 5G, so I've been trying to to, oh. to test that out. Uh, I'm gonna say this. Nice. It's it, I'm where did con- you win, where did you win this at? Where did you get that? I remember us talking about that. Uh, the Razors. When it came out, the Razor's Edge when it first came out. Yeah, it, it was it was through a contest of the esports awards. <laughs> nice, uh, huge. Yeah, so we'll see. I'll, I'll have more thoughts later, but just I'm I'm conflicted right now uh, on that. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was a good weekend overall, Ryan. Uh, last week was a, a fun week, uh, especially for Inferno. Uh, they had a, a nice moment last Tuesday at Summerlin Hospital where they were able to uh, officially unveil a mobile gaming station uh, that the kids out there will get to play with the Switch. Uh, so, Ryan, obviously you're involved with them. This is a great. Uh, part of what Inferno does is, is to be with the community there, and uh, it, it's just nice to provide kids some joy in, in what is always a stressful time anytime you're at the hospital for any any extended period of, of time. Absolutely. I, I remember uh, this is like a year in the making. Uh, we did this, uh, this charity, partnered up with Starlight uh, Children's Foundation to be able to do this, being able to be a part of this. Uh, you know, I had members from my community that had donated. Uh, we as a community community uh, donated as well. And then it was a, a gentleman in his uh, organization. Um, I, I can't think of the name of the organization off the top of my head, uh, but it's an organization that deals with autism. Uh, they helped to push us through uh, that last part to be able to make this happen. So, all, you know, all that stuff that went into it last year, being able to see, you know, these kids playing it, you know, literally playing on it and being able to enjoy it day one uh, absolutely warms my heart. This is what, to me anyway, something that's important. I know for the Inferno, the uh, Las Vegas Inferno, uh, it's, it's part of our our mission uh, is to be able to bring back and, and, and help where we can within the community as well. So, Gosh, man, this literally behind the scenes definitely uh, brought tears to my eyes because 
this is what it's about. This is being able to be a part of something uh, to bring real change, help these kids, like you said, that are that are in this tough situation that, you know, who knows what they're dealing with or even family members that may be there as support. You know, they can also go and and take a step away or, or you know, go and, and have some fun and, and get some normalcy out of a, a situation that that is anything but normal or or maybe, um, you know, just just help to bring a positive light to a negative situation uh, is absolutely huge. So, you know, many thanks to to everyone that donated the the, the streamers. Obviously, in, Inferno, Gilly, uh, Chris, uh, putting this stuff together. You know, helping to organize this stuff and being able to dr- just drop. Uh, something like this is absolutely amazing. And I got to say too, Chris, I'm going to call you out on the show. I saw you crying in the background, girl. And, and I feel you. I was right there with you. <laughs> yeah. And I, I will say this as somebody who has uh, had to spend some time in the hospital over the last year with uh, with loved ones. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's just that stress of, of being there, you know, all day and having something that gives you a sense of normalcy and a sense of fun can make a world of difference for your mindset and, and really help your morale. So it's, it's important in, in a variety of ways. And, and it's nice to see, I know that uh, they're talking about, you know, you guys are talking about maybe doing something in the future to hopefully maybe we can get some more stations to some other hospitals. Uh, but it, it just, just a heartwarming moment. Yeah, absolutely. We're actually working on a um, we're working on one now a or will be um, now I have to I, I need to double check to see what the details are, uh, but we're going to be working on another uh, charity. So, again, it's not just limited to this. We, we've worked with the. Uh, uh, you know, American Heart Society, um, you know, all kinds of different organizations. Just I I think one of the most important things here, and I feel like there's really a a lack of, at least locally, is that I I don't really see any other teams that are going out into the community, into Las Vegas and and doing things to help not only bring awareness uh, to issues locally, but then being able to come together and and bring things like this that are going to help the community uh, because again, that's all thanks to community obviously supports the team. We want to be able to also support the community as well. So I, I can't, I can't say it enough how proud I am and to be able to see this, you know, the culmination of, of that work from last year, be able to come to fruition in Summerlin hospital uh, was an absolutely, absolutely beautiful moment. I am here for it. And I am all about this. A hundred percent, Ryan. And as we kind of transition, we we're going from an organization doing great things to uh, a company doing questionable things i guess would be (laughs) the the charitable way to say it uh we have some more quest line news ryan uh why don't you take us through the the latest baffling decisions here that are coming down yeah so they uh (laughs) so we had we had talked about it here not too long ago too where the quest pro just 
it didn't make sense pricing wise. It was way out of price. They dropped the price down four hundred dollars, right? Uh, they've dropped it down another hundred dollars. Not only that, but uh, so it's now it went from fifteen hundred dollars for the pro to a thousand dollars for the pro, and then you've got the Quest Two uh, that also not the the two hundred and fifty six gig version went from five hundred dollars to four hundred and thirty dollars. Now, mind you, the hundred and twenty eight gig only costs. $400. So for 30 extra dollars, you're doubling your space. That's a price point that people are going to be able to get on board with. Here, Here's where, and again, of course, this is just me speculating, but this is my guess, right? We just had the PSVR 2 uh, that dropped. Now, yep. the PSVR 2 has to be connected to a PlayStation 5. So not only do you have to, in order to own a PSVR 2, you also have to have a, a PlayStation 5. That's going to, uh, PlayStation 5 is what, five $600? Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, and then and then the PSVR two is uh uh what, what was the price tag on that? Oh my goodness, let me see here. I'm blanking. I can't. I, I can't think of it off the top of my head. What I can tell you though is that it's gonna now. It now costs more to have a PSVR two and a PlayStation five than it would to have a Quest Pro. So now, oh, go ahead. Five fifty. Five fifty. Okay, so five fifty plus five six hundred dollars. So now it's competitive. Now the Quest Pro. It, or the the yeah the Quest Pro is competitive. You can get that, and, and it has more advantages. You don't have to be uh, plugged in into anything for it. Uh, you know, so it runs wirelessly. All your I, well, I don't know. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say all your old games are gonna work on it, but because uh, <laughs> I don't know that I don't have a Quest Pro. But this definitely makes it a lot more within line consumer wise. And I think that might be why they dropped that price down. Number one, they probably weren't falling off the shelves like they originally had planned. We said it, it's almost like these VR companies are acting like we're still, you know, everyone's still cooped up and, and out there. And that's just not the case. So the, you know, it was hot for a second and they, you know, the price was right, but it, the, it has definitely waned. And especially with economically, at least here in this country, you know, people are going to be a lot more frugal and, and not look to necessarily go out, you know, government ain't giving us no more free money. So, (laughs) so, you know, like people, people are are definitely going to be more hesitant. So I think this puts this in line. I think this is a huge move uh, by Meta to drop that price to 250 gig as well. Because again, this brings it basically back to the price it was before they, they raised it up. So it seems like they, they learned their lesson. <laughs> I was going to say, I was, cause at first I was like $70 is a weird amount to drop a price. But then I remembered, Oh yeah, it's cause they raised the price of the 128. So they can't actually hit four. I actually right. would have preferred them just like eliminate the 128 model, I guess at this point and just be like, look, mm-hmm. 256 is 400. Like that would would have made sense mm-hmm. to me uh or or not that they would do this since they raised the price of the 128 but if they would have said hey the 128 is going back down uh but not just to 300 like if they could if if they could drop it below that 300 like what a move to, to stick it to right. sony a little bit and be like look you can get two quest 2s for the price of one psvr mm-hmm. <laughs> uh so but yeah it makes sense uh and you think too right the quest it's older technology right the psvr is going to be more powerful uh even mm-hmm. if you do have to connect it to your your ps5 so this does make sense to undercut them a little bit and say hey we're still the most affordable option uh 
by a significant chunk uh, for your virtual reality needs. Uh, the Pro is approaching a price point where in in a perfect world, if I had a ton of extra money, you'd be like, huh, you know what? That's kind of interesting because like Might as well. Right, because like hey, you know what, that's the cost of a PS5 and a PS PSVR2, but still not there. Yeah. Still not there yet. Like I don't, they have not done a great job telling me why the Pro is so much better than the Quest 2. If you're not in like a mm-hmm. business environment, and even in the business environment, we've talked about this before. What can it do that you just can't do? on zoom like i mean like, right. so we'll see uh i the the price drops are nice to see again however dating back to when they originally bumped up the the 128 by 100 dollars, they, they even box themselves in now for how much they could lower the 256 gigabyte version right well you do i, I also think this may be problematic for psvr too as well because this makes it a lot harder to go and say, you know what, I'm going to do that. But again, a lot of people that are going to get the PSVR 2 were already probably going to get a PlayStation 5 or already have a PlayStation 5. So they are very particular about their consumer. And again, they're saying you have to own our system Uh uh, in order to be able to play that. So that's kind of Sony's MO in terms of being able to have that exclusivity and be able to have that proprietary hardware that you can only get with Sony. My issue though still is if you're going to do that, you better bring the heat with the games. And I, I know that they dropped 30 titles uh, when it came out. Still, there's just not enough for me yet that I could justify dropping another 550 to get that PSVR Two, when I got a Quest 2, you know, literally sitting right behind me, people will be looking at me side eye. Um, and and yeah, this is it's going to be tough. I think this is going to have a negative impact on the PSVR 2 because they really did just be like, oh, well, why get that when you can just get the Quest Pro if you're going to spend that much anyway? Get the Quest Pro and you can do this. You won't be tethered to a cable. You don't have to have you can use it on your PC. You can use it on your, you know, standalone, whatever. So I, I think this is a, a smart move on Meta's part. Uh-huh. And uh, I think this may have a negative impact and even more negative impact on the PSVR 2 sales. Yeah, you know, and we've mentioned this before, too. Sony has a bad habit sometimes of, of abandoning their uh, not home consoles mm-hmm. uh, if if it doesn't go as well as they hoped early on uh, Vita like so I, I'm, I'm really interested to see how well they support it the fact that the they made a second one makes me a little more confident however they had the PSP and then they made the Vita and then the Vita just died a slow painful death so right we'll see what happens I think the issue I'm having with with a lot of these new pieces of tech uh and uh honestly when I talk about this next week uh, I'll bring this up with the Razer Z2 in a little more detail. But right, for these mm-hmm. prices, for the PSVR 2, 550 like that's like, to me, in my mind, that's like a primary gaming system price, right? Like in my right. mind, I'm like, if I'm spending this, I want to, like, this is becoming 1B, right, with the PS5, 1A and 1B mm-hmm. for how I'm spending my gaming time. And I just don't feel 100% confident that Sony's going to do that long term to make that worth it. Uh, it it's... 
like anything above like like two hundred dollars for me like now you're entering this is this is a a significant piece of tech that i i need to see a use case on a very regular basis to make it worth it in my mind otherwise that's a pretty expensive secondary device that uh i don't have the money for if if it's not going to be uh that that main in my world well exactly and that's the thing is like this you know these this is a peripheral of the ps5 it should not cost as much as the console like you said you're not going to get that much use out of it if you're paying that kind of money that's literally what you paid essentially uh maybe a little more for the actual console itself which is very powerful can do a lot of things this peripheral relies on that console to be able to work how can you charge almost the same amount it, that, it doesn't make sense. This is going to be problematic for them. This is, and you're right. I hope this doesn't turn into a PS Vita. I don't think it will because obviously within the VR space and that technology, it's still coming along. Uh, it's still not quite at that consumer level. It was uh, with uh, how how cheap the, the Quest 2 was. That's when I got my Quest 2. It was like 300 bucks. Right. Um, which is which was awesome. That was amazing. You know, I was like, oh, yeah, I can I can drop that and feel comfortable and not be like, oh, man, this is, you know. Um, but this, I mean, you're paying console prices. I can get an Xbox for less than I can get a PSVR 2 headset. That's insane to me. This right. is, I again, I get it. And it is kind of like that, that Apple thing. You know what I mean? It's like, Here's this thing, and and basically you're paying this exorbitant or exorbitant pr- price for a lot of it's going into just the brand name, not the the physical technical specs of what you're getting. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm curious to see what sales look like because I think they're going to end up having to either pivot and and change prices themselves, uh, which I don't really see that happening. Or they give it a little bit and say we're losing too much money. We're step. We're we're gonna walk away from this. It would be yeah. crazy because I'm curious to see how much not you know not only the hardware that they've built, but then how much they've invested into developers creating games specifically for it. Because uh, again, that's what's really that's the reason people get Playstations in the first place. They're first party games, so they need to b- start bringing some heat on the game side to even come close. To being able to say, yeah, you're gonna pay that 550. Yeah, oh, oh it costs it's gonna cost you more than the Xbox, uh, but you're gonna pay it because we got these games. You know what I mean? So we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, it, we'll it, see how it plays out. It's like they price them, they price themselves into that issue that I have with uh the PC-based headsets, right? They're really mm-hmm. high-end, they look really cool, it looks like they run really well, but you also need a really expensive gaming PC on top of it. So, like all of a mm-hmm. sudden, like that that's always that's you know, we said this before. That was always my biggest issue with VR was that the true cost was not actually the true cost. The headsets half right. of the equation. Sometimes the headsets less than half the equation because of the amount of rig that you needed to buy. So mm-hmm. it, it it's a tough place to be in for them. Uh, the other thing I'll say is Sony, though, if I'm going to give them one advantage, if their studios can create the equivalent of like a Half-Life Alex, then maybe that changes the game uh, for them mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, but to be to be fair, to be frank, I don't know that we've seen another game rival what Half Life Alex was doing for people since then. So maybe Sony right. Studios can step up to the plate and do that. I think they need it. Yeah, no, I agree. We we will see the 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 future will tell. But the, I I think those are the biggest factors: the games that they bring to it, and then 
price wise, it's just a hard sell. I think that's a hard sell, especially within today's economy. And we're not just talking about here in the States. I mean, around the world, it is volatile everywhere. Um, so I, I think they'll probably be watching that closely and we'll see as the year goes on and whatnot, if, and if, and when, uh, they make any kind of pivots or moves, uh, to, to bring up those numbers. So we'll see, but let's take a quick commercial break. Lucas, you had a great interview at Dice. Lay it on us. Who, who did you talk with? Yeah, I was able to sit down with uh, Brad Hendricks. He's the CEO and founder of a studio called Blind Squirrel Games. And they might not be a household name to you, but first of all, awesome name for a studio. So they automatically get a bunch of cool points for that. Uh, But they actually have done a lot of of work on games like Mass Effect, Legendary Edition, uh, the Bioshock series. So they've done a lot of great work. Uh, We get into it about how they got their start, uh, you know, some of the work they've done. It's a great conversation. So uh, enjoy. What's up, everybody? This is Lucas with Land Parties coming at you from Dice at Resorts World in Las Vegas. I am joined by a very special guest right now, the founder and CEO of Blind Squirrel Games, Brad Hendricks. Brad, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you doing? Good. How's Vegas treating you? So far, so good. Thank you for joining us. I know that this is an extremely busy time, so uh, we appreciate you taking a few minutes. You know, Blind Squirrel is, is such a, a great company that I think would surprise a lot of people that maybe aren't as familiar with, with this industry on some of the projects you've worked on. So for people who are a little bit unfamiliar, talk to us a little bit about some of the, the projects you, you guys are, are oh my God. best known for. Well, let me see. I think we've shipped 56 games in the last 13 years. But some big notable ones, I'd say, you know, what really kind of changed it for us was the Bioshock Ultimate Remaster series where mm-hmm. we remastered all three of the first uh, games. In fact, they're working on new ones now. And probably on to Borderlands after that. And then um, I think Mass Effect, we did Sonic uh, with Sega. There's a long list of, of games. I mean, I could go on and on and on. I think uh, we're currently working with Amazon on New World, which is uh, not a mystery there. Uh, and then there's a lot of things I can't talk about what we're doing right now. <laughs> you know, when, when you work with some I would say to a lot of fans, iconic IPs there. I know that that obviously you want as many projects as you can take and, and a lot of quality projects. Sure. Do you feel the, the external pressure, though, when you, when you work on like a, a Bioshock remake and yeah. the expectations are sky high? You know, it's funny because like when we worked with 2K, they originally wanted a straight port, right? And they said, you know, just port it so that it works on the current gen consoles. And I tried to convince the guy that was the director of operations at the time. He said, hey, we should really, you know, we should maybe let's take it up a notch. Let's reskin it. Let's change the geometry because it looks like hell in the new games because it's 4K. Come on. And uh, he's like, no, no, no. We want to keep the cost down. So I said, OK. Went back to the job and I asked my artist. I said, I want you to take the initial when you come up the bath escape and you come into that main room, I want you to rip that room apart. I want you to make it look amazing. I want you to add all the newest lighting and you know volumetric effects you can and all this kind of stuff. And I knew, I knew the director was gonna get pissed, right? And so we sent the build over 
And he goes, because it was our first milestone, and here's the first bill, their first room. You wanted it to work on the current gen. Here it is. And he call, called me up, and, and I'm going to use an F-bomb here. But he said, what the F <laughs> did you deliver to me? I thought I was in a lot of trouble. I told you not to do this. I thought he was going to say that. And he goes, that was amazing. And he goes, uh, how long is it going to take you to do that to all three games? And I'm like, well, let me think about it. And we got back to him, and they ended up just ripping the guts out of a lot of the first two games. The third game really didn't need a lot of it because mm -hmm. it was already amazing to start with. So, you know, it sort of went up, you know, it was easier to deal with as you went up the game uh, ladder, I guess. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really challenging. There's a lot of expectations by not only the original developer, but also by the publisher who paid for it so yeah can i just say that is amazing to think that that could have just been a straight port like yeah <laughs> yeah that's what they wanted and that's not what it ended up with but we forced their hand because really remasters at the time were were not really a thing right you know? i mean it wasn't really like people were oh we need to have a remaster i mean most of it was just people were just porting upwards right um, but because the because we were going to 4K and resolutions and the speeds and the frames were going up and the lighting effects were increasing, increasing you know we went from DX9 to DX13 or whatever we're at now, um, you know things were changing and games were starting to look more and more realistic, and that was the original intent of the game, right? Sort of. Yeah. Right. You know it was a stylistic and some, but we wanted to kind of fall into that land and all of our people wanted that and so we bought into the vision you know probably more than they did when we got on board so yeah you know it's interesting too because I've, I've had conversations with people where you know we've, we we talk about game preservation or, or having letting new generation of gamers experience the games that we love and and you know we would always say we want them to have that best experience where you know a straight port is great maybe for my standpoint for like nostalgia reasons yeah. but you want somebody who's playing it for the first time to have the best yeah. experience right so like like if they're going back to you know 2007 bioshock it's not going to be as good for them as it is for us because they're used to now yeah, yeah. 4k and all the advancements that have come since then so i, I respect that because like like the work to create a truly good experience for that next generation i think is is super important for this industry yeah so that we can still share the games that we all love yeah and i think there are you know there are some cases like you know you don't want to mess around with asteroids right <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day yeah there it, I, you know, I think in every instance there absolutely if that was the intent and they're only five or six years behind where we're currently at sure why not right, right. you know um, you know, rounded geometry. If it's supposed to look like a pole, it shouldn't look like a hexagon, right? Yeah. So simple things like that. Yeah. So take me back to the beginning. So when you founded Blind Squirrel, what what was the inspiration to start the the studio? It was sort of a weird story, but so I was working for an engine company that uh, it's called Gamebryo, and I had been pulled into an office and and uh, was told hey I heard you're gonna buy a house and move up and because I was commuting forever to get to work and they said great you know we're really happy you're gonna do that and then you know you know we're gonna be in you know we got 30 million we're gonna be in business for the next whatever number of years I'm like great as I walk by my boss's office she pulls me in and she goes hey what did the, the boss tell you and I said, oh you know we're gonna you know we're gonna be in business for this and we have all this money and she goes yeah can you get out of your house and I said, what? She goes, yeah, can, can you get out of your house? And I'm like, 
I'm like, what are you talking about? She's all like, yeah, we're going out of business in six months. And so oh my I'm goodness. like, oh my God, what are you talking about? I'm like, oh my God, thank you for telling me. And so earlier that day, because my job was attaching developers to our technology, I got a call from somebody at 2K and he said, hey, I need somebody to go, you know, do some work in Germany on a project that we're on. Do you know anybody and, and you know, that knows Unreal? And I'm like, hey, why are you calling me? I, I work for Gabriel. And he goes, well, I don't know. You know everybody. And I'm like, look, I go, I'll, I'll, let me keep my ears down. So after I talked to my boss and she said, you need to get out. We're going out of business. I called him back and I said, hey, I think I found your team. And he goes, oh, who is it? And I'm like, I haven't figured the name out yet. And, I, and he goes, what are you talking about? And I said, well, I, I want to do this. I want to start my own studio, and I want to I get this out. And he goes, dude, don't F with me, man. This is serious. This is a really big AAA game, and I need really good people out there. I go, I'm going to find good people. And he goes, all right, you got two weeks. And that is how Blind Squirrel Games started. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And so, and then, then I think over the next five years, we... We uh, basically worked on almost every single game that 2K did, every single game, XCOM, XCOM 2, the Bureau, Civilizations. We did almost everything. They were on Bioshock, all three Bioshocks. So we were heavily involved with them in the very beginning, and that was how we got our start. It's almost like you didn't have time to like doubt or even think yeah, about it. You we, just had to jump. Yeah, we went, started with four people and grew to 30 five within two years or three years and then went to 155 by six years and it was all pretty focused around 2k and then we were got a little smarter and said okay we need to start working with other publishers and so um in which we have successfully done obviously so was there a project that was the toughest or the most challenging there's a lot of those. There's a lot of projects that never saw the light of the day that were always the toughest that I can't talk about. But, I, you know, every project comes with its different challenges. There was not, not any one that stands out. Every single one comes with its own challenges, whether it's working with, you know, the primary developer or working with the publisher. Uh, communication issues always can be a problem here and there. Over the years, we've gotten really good at making sure that we break those barriers down. You know, I was just telling a guy today that, you know, it's really great being a developer because we've worked with some of the best developers that have ever been in the industry, you know, and we take little pieces of them when we work with them, like, hey, we really like the way they do this or the way they do this technology or the way that they deal with how they define things, how, you know, states of completeness or, or anything. And we take little pieces of how they do work and we manage to kind of build it in our ecosystem and make a really compelling uh, sort of process and, and way of getting games done that I think is really sort of an amalgamation of everyone else's sort of best practices. So it's been kind of cool, yeah. I love that. Yeah. When you first started, did you imagine this company growing like it did like did you no. have that long-term <laughs> vision that you wanted to, to be a, a long-lasting uh, no nope. I just loved games and I said oh, this is so cool I want to do this right and I'd made I'd been a producer an executive producer making games before that but did I ever want to do my own thing um, <laughs> no I mean <laughs> but it happened you know because I was like all of a sudden okay I got a you know I got a I got a nine-year-old little girl you know I just started you know dating a new girl and I can't I can't not be unemployed and so I said forget it I'm tired of working for people who don't know what they're doing right and and I feel like I can do it better and so I, I went for it right and I really did go for it I was it's very, I'm very impulsive sometimes, and so 
uh, it worked out. It was lightning in a bottle. And we grew rapidly. And it was really our relationship with 2K. And, and we just did really I found real. I was really lucky to find really good people really quickly. And then they just, uh, it's not about me. Right. It's about them. And so I've been very lucky to have some of the best people in the industry work for me and continue to work for me today. So When they said you had two weeks to find a team, I mean, how stressful was that? <laughs> That was pretty stressful. Uh, the good thing is I did know a lot of people because of what I was doing currently. And I knew a guy that had just left an, a job and he was thinking about starting his own thing. And I'm like, hey, what about joining up with me? I got this crazy opportunity, you know. And, and then he knew somebody and then I knew another guy. And we only needed four people. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, they needed to go to Germany for a little bit. But, and he was just about to get married, so he wasn't too happy about that. <laughs> but at the end of the day, he did a great job. And, uh, and that's where it started and snowballed. And then, and then shortly afterwards, we got another opportunity to work uh, with them on Civilizations, um, mm -hmm. with Sid Meier's team at Firaxis. Uh -huh. And we were the first people to ever work with them uh, outside of their team. And that was when I hired Matthew Fawcett, who is now my chief development officer. But he was at the time my my uh, senior producer or senior uh, uh, engineer, and he was amazing. He come from an exile. I just finished a game with them, and so a lot of people were leaving because they just finished a game, and that's the typical thing: is everybody sort of kind of leaves. Right. Um, so I suddenly had had 14 engineers right so I went from 4 to 14 to 23 to and we were mostly engineering in the beginning that's what we really focused on and engineers are tough to find still have been way back then still are today uh, and so we were in demand and it just never stopped and then we started adding art uh -huh. and then we started adding design and production management and QA and to where we are today is full development so you know, I, I think that a, a lot of people like the idea of running their own, whatever, in whatever business, yeah. running their own outfit. What sorts of things, though, did you have to learn on the fly? What do you think people overlook when they, from, from I want to run my own thing to <laughs> actually being successful at doing it? I mean, you have to be everybody, right? In the beginning, I remember my wife used to make fun of me. She says, you're now the... CEO and I'm like yes and but you're also the janitor and you're also the IT guy you're the accountant you're the producer you're everything else that nobody else wants to do right and so I had to learn all of those things right luckily I knew a little bit of accounting from college uh -huh. which was way 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 back <laughs> and plus they had you know pretty good software that I could take advantage of, but you just sort of learn your own things. IT, I, you know, I'd always played with computers, but never really did it. So, but you know, I, I knew how to be a producer. I knew how to be an exec producer. I knew how to do BD. And, and so basically I, you know, I just took on everything I could. And then when it got overwhelming, I'd say, I need to hire somebody. And, uh, that's sort of how it evolved. Yeah. What keeps you at it? Like what, what do you still love about it that keeps you driven? It's evolved, you know. At first, it was the excitement of the project. It still is, always will be. Uh -huh. And and we are on to some really cool stuff. But I, for for me, it's it's uh, 
you know, it's it's the excitement of growing, you know, the brand now, right? And like, I'm really excited about, you know, before I was like, who who the hell is Blind Squirrel Games? It's such a cool name. You know, they're like, how'd you come up with that name? You know, and it's like, uh, and I felt like I was saying it a lot, and it's like I felt like, why don't? I mean, we've been on some pretty big games. Why don't you know who we are? And now I don't really get that a whole lot. Uh -huh. You know, I still do. People love to know why. How did the name come from? That's a whole other story. But at the end of the day, you know, I want to build something that's, you know, that everybody's proud to. Like, yeah, I worked for Blind Squirrel Games, and and not only that, I want people who, you know, if our people leave or whatever or go to other jobs, it's like, oh yeah, that's a Blind Squirrel Games employee. These guys are pretty damn good, you know. And I want that for everybody, you know, as well as, you know pride for myself right so yeah when you look ahead where do you see growth like what's if we're talking five years down the, yeah. down the road where do you want to be we had a lot of aspirations you know when we first launched our own product we thought we we're going to be a publisher a developer and everything under the sun but we've gotten a little bit more intelligent about how we're going about it you know right now we're really focused on on um, IP development and not necessarily transitioning away from work for hire, but balancing it out with IP development and full development so that we're, we're working on bigger projects with bigger teams doing ground up development so that we're more of a sort of a turnkey studio, right? Mm -hmm. It's more exciting and rewarding than siloing like, hey, you need five engineers, here's five. Oh, you need three artists, here you go. Here's That's no fun and it's confusing and it's hard to manage. We wanted to really keep our team siloed, you know, and say, okay, you guys are doing this, right? Uh -huh. And you guys over here, you're doing that. And there's 20, 30, 40, 50 people on each team uh, that's being managed. We have pro proper management structures and, and it's rewarding for everybody in there because they know they're, they're doing something that's complete, right? It has a body in it and it's a look and feel. It's not that little cog on the wheel that moves around. It's the whole thing, right? The whole mechanism, so... I know that there's always a lot that you can't talk about, but are there any projects you want to plug right now? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, look, we launched Drifters, I guess it was two years ago, uh -huh. and um, we self-funded it and self-marketed it, and we had some great uh, companies that we outsourced to do marketing, Pava and Associates. We had uh, Kat uh, Ulrich uh, with Motive PR that helped us. Um, we had Green Skull Partners. We had a really great sort of external work for hire team that was supporting us. Um, and we had a lot of aspirations to, to, to make that grow, but we were self-funding it, right? So when you do a free-to-play game and you're self-funding the marketing and you're self-funding the game and you're not that big of a company, it's, uh, it's unfortunate that you couldn't, we couldn't keep that snowball running, but we really felt we had something. And the good thing is, is I think, you know, we're getting traction on finding publishers, people who want to actually take that and revive it because they saw something there. But other than that, you know, something, all the other things I just can't talk about. Yeah, the fun, the things that would be really cool for you to <laughs> you go, oh yeah, I got the exclusive <laughs> on that. Yeah, I can't do that. <laughs> well, we look forward to hearing about it when we can. Yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add right now? I think in 10 months, I'll be able to tell you something pretty cool, so. Perfect, yeah. we'll have to have you back on. Absolutely. Brad, thank you so much. I, like I said, I know you're an extremely busy person, so thank yeah. you for taking some time to talk to us. Lucas, nice to meet you, bud. Good to meet you. All right. Thanks again for taking that time, Brad. I know that Dice is, is always super busy, so I appreciate you stepping away for a couple minutes to chat with us. Ryan, it's amazing how there's 
a lot of great studios that uh, don't get the press of, of like the big ones, but are still doing mm-hmm. like super quality work out there. Well, and I, that's what I love about like events like Dice and, and things like that and where we're able to participate and go and have conversations with people because there really are a lot of of people and, and studios and work that is going out there and people that are doing interesting things, doing innovative things. So it, it's always nice to be able to have those conversations and see what some of these other people are, are working on and stuff like that. So again, thank you so much, Brad. That was absolutely awesome. So you know, again, what do you what do you got going on this weekend, my friend? Well, uh, not much. I'm gonna be be playing uh, some more. I'm gonna I've been playing Hi Fi Rush, by the way. So that that's mm, a pretty nice. fun game. Finally, uh, I like it. I like the gameplay so far. I do want to add one thing, Ryan. Just today, mm-hmm. right before we started recording, uh, I was on Facebook uh, and I saw that a, a, a buddy of mine, his podcast was nominated uh, for an award at the Snobby Awards. And so I went to look and I was like, to congratulate him and Ryan. <laughs> and this came as a complete shock to me. Uh, and I know you as well. Uh, we're actually nominated for a Snobby Award Best Sports <laughs> Podcast. Uh, so they happen yeah. this Sunday, uh, March 12th. So wish us luck. It's only us and one other podcast. So we've got a 50-50 shot. Uh, it's hey. it's always a, a pleasant surprise. Uh, I mean, to be to be honest, Ryan, this is the second award show in a, in a row that we were just shocked by uh, that we yeah. got nominated for. So it's, it's always – we don't do this for the awards, but it's always nice uh, to get that recognition and know that you're on the right track. Absolutely. Again, thank you so much uh, for the nomination there for the Snobby Awards. We'll keep you guys posted or, if, you know, like Lucas said, it'll be uh, live on their YouTube here uh, uh, this coming up Sunday. So, uh, again, always an honor to to just get that recognition from uh, not only our, our people that, that listen, but uh, our peers as well. So thank you so much. Um, yeah. Other than that, though. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. And I was just going to say happy Mario Day this Friday. Uh, Nintendo's yes. running some sales on some Mario titles. So if, if you're missing something, now might be a good time to buy because Nintendo games never go on sale. Also, real. I will still be sad that the Mario movie is not coming out this Friday. Whoever decided not to release the Mario movie on Mario Day, I'm sorry you were wrong. Anyway. Shame. <laughs> continue, Shame. Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, thank you guys so much again for listening. Don't forget, hit us up on the Twitters at LandPartiesPod, at LucasEggen, or at Smitty2447. We hope you guys have an amazing rest of your week. And don't forget, we love your faces.